I just, you know, this week alone, um, or almost every week, but this week, I've spoken to each one of our campus um, connection pastors. That's how the relationship, how, how close it is, either by phone or by text, we stay connected. Amen. We should all stay connected. Amen. You should all stay connected. Amen. Look around you. There is somebody sitting next to you that you can stay connected with. Well, that was pretty much um, the holiday for today. I will add because, you know, um, I always do a national holiday. And besides Pastor Appreciation Sunday, which actually is today, did you know that it is also National Hero Day? Hero, Hero, not the sandwich. Not the sandwich, honey. (laughs) And because Jesus is everybody's hero, I, I... I wanted to go back and do a little fun and um, share my childhood hero. Do you, do you know who my hero is? My childhood? F- fun. Fun childhood hero. Who's, she's still kind of today. You do know. Say, sing it. Sing it. Can you do the spin? Wonder Woman. Man, I watch. And I'm not talking about the cartoon. I'm not talking about comic. I'm talking about the Wonder Woman. Like Linda, you know. Yes, like I would watch that all the time with my mom. I'd be in my room, you know, with the door shut, and she'd open it up and see me spinning because I would practice that spin all the time. I loved woman. I, was, I dressed up as woman, Wonder Woman every year for, you know, that holiday that we're not supposed to, you know, surf, uh, recognize, but I did, and dressed up for Wonder Woman every year. I'm not even going to tell you till how old, but I did. I don't want to forget to tell you that life group is this Thursday, right here. All are welcome. Thank you, Price. Look at it. Price is excited for Life Group. Thank you. Life Group right here for everyone. This Saturday we have an all-church um, picnic at the farm. That's where all four of our campuses come together, and we just celebrate, bring a dish to share. I love this, this particular day that we do every year because I don't like to cook, and I love to enjoy everybody else's food. So... Please come and join us. It's always, always big fun. Um, and I, I, I think there might be some visitors today because I see a couple of faces that I don't recognize. Is this your first time? Can you raise your hand? Hey, welcome. So glad to have you today. Also, we have a trip to hell coming up at the end of the month. And if you are, um, if you have... Uh, Joined us in um, volunteering your time and your talent for that day. You will get contacted tomorrow and just in advance. Thank you. Thank you so much. The men had a camping out, a camp outing, all of the, um, uh, all four campuses, men over the weekend. And they did like a mini trip to hell in the woods. And uh, Pastor Marlon told me how amazing it was. So you don't want to miss that. That's at the, um, at the end of the month. And... I got everything. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to count my blessings right now. And today, I am just want to share with you, I am blessed, as Pastor Marlon and I, we are intentional to count our blessings every day. And we have this book that's called I Hear His Whispers. Man, we, we can't just read one a day. It is a one-a-day devotional where it is God talking to you. It, it is, when you read it, you hear the voice of God, whatever that sounds like to you, 
You hear his voice as he is showering you with his love. And we, um, we absolutely love this book, so I wanted to be intentional to give a couple away today to you, beautiful Donna. You have to hear the whispers of God. And this was for Sadie, if you don't mind giving that to her. And I encourage you also, when you read your word, to read that as God talking to you, because he is. He is always talking to you. We just have to be still to listen. Amen? All right, let's do our declaration before I get too excited here. Third John 2. Father God, I thank you that I prosper in all things and in health, even as my soul, mind, will, and emotions prospers. Father God, I thank you for your presence. Nothing compares to your presence. Nothing compares to one moment with you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, and we want to keep you here. We abide in you. We behold you, our King. Have your way. Have your way. Continue to have your way, Lord Jesus. My beloved is the most beautiful. Open our ears to hear your word, Lord. And I pray, God, that, that it gets so deep within our spirits that when we need to be reminded, God, when we are faced with something and, and forget or disconnect, that you remind us, uh-uh-uh, look at me, abide in me, behold me. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go to John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Jesus is the true vine. Amen? Amen. Jesus is the true vine. The significance here is is tremendous. This is Jesus' last words to his disciples. This is his last teaching. And I'm not talking about to multitudes, not, not to, the, to sinners or religious leaders, to his disciples, to his 12. Man, can you imagine that? To be present in his last words and how powerful the last words are. If you've ever had the privilege to, to be present and hear the last words of a loved one, I'm pretty sure you'd listen a little more carefully, right? I remember when, when my mom passed away, I got to you know, be present with her because she had a couple of weeks in hospice. And not only did I listen closely, I recorded it. 
I wanted to make sure that I could hear those last words, those words of wisdom that she had for me, those words of encouragement that she had for me, because they were significant because they were going to be the last words. He said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. The grapevine has always been a, a symbol of the nation of Israel. In fact, the grapevine um, was a symbol on the Israeli coin. Israel was often referred to as the vineyard in the Old Testament that disobeyed God. So Jesus is saying, I'm not that vine. I'm not Israel. I am the true vine. And Father God is the vineyard, God, Father God is the vine dresser. He is in all control. He goes on in verse 2 to say, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You and I are the branches. We're to bear fruit. What is fruit? The fruit is the character of Jesus. That is what we are supposed to bear. The character of Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. See if I can remember these again. Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness, and patience. (laughs) You know, you can memorize something like 20 years ago, but if you don't say it for a while, you get a little rusty. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's the character of Christ. And that's the fruit that he is telling us to bear. There are three truths about fruit. Three, three undeniable truths about fruit. First is, real fruit will always bear the character of the tree. Think about that. Grapes don't grow on an apple tree. Nope. Real fruit will always bear the character of the tree. Truth number two. Real fruit is visible. You see those apples. You see those grapes. We see your fruit. Whether it's good or bad, real fruit is visible. Truth number three, real fruit exists to benefit everyone else. Real fruit exists to benefit everyone else. Fruit doesn't eat itself, right? That fruit on the tree, those apples, those grapes are to benefit all of us. And if you don't like, look like Jesus, you are not bearing good fruit. He said, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, meaning God, takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. He prunes. That word means to cleanse there. Think about that. To cleanse. I mean, God cleanses us. Just like we got to clean the fruit, right? If you, and, it, and if you don't clean it for a while, that dirt's just going to get on there, cake on there, and cake on there. And then it's going to be harder and harder to clean. Do you ever, like, have a pan or a dish that you let sit there so long? 
and it becomes so hard to clean. Pastor Marlon and I, and by the way, we always ask for permission before we make fun of each other. So (laughs) Pastor Marlon and I, we have his, believe it or not, we have his and her coffee machines. Yeah. I have an espresso machine. Like you go to, you know, you go to Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts and you want like a latte, you know, they put espresso in there and the milk, you know, that's me. I like strong espresso every morning over ice. I love it with a little bit of cream. I clean my machine every Friday. Every Friday. I enjoy it because I want my coffee to taste its best. Pastor Marlin has an espresso machine. It's just like a Keurig machine. It's very nice. He likes just the, it's a single cup of regular, you know, medium strength coffee. That's what he likes. Pastor Marlin does not clean his machine every Friday. You want to know how I know? Because this past week, he decided to clean the drip tray for has to be the first time ever, because the drip tray, if you know any kind of coffee pot, has two pieces to it. Yeah, this had one, because it was so glued together, it was so caked together, he's literally in the kitchen going, that, that's supposed to be two, honey. It's supposed to be two pieces. If we don't permit God to prune us, It's going to get harder. The sin cakes on harder, and it's going to be more painful. I find it helpful to ask God on a regular basis in my life, and I say, God, prune me. Cleanse me. Show me what I'm missing. Show me if I have anything in my life that doesn't align with you. Do it now, God. Don't don't let me sit in it. Don't let me be deceived. Don't let me be in darkness. Show me, Lord. Verse 4, he says, Jesus said, abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. The word abide in those first 10 verses, he says 10 times. The word abide. He says abide in me, not just the word. The abide in me 10 times in 10 verses in his last teaching to the disciples. He is saying abide in me, 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 abide in me. There's significance there when God, wants, when God chooses to repeat himself and the last teaching. Abide in me. He's saying connect with me. That's what it means. He's saying connect with me. Stay connected with me. Stay one with me. One with me and I with you. Over and over and over. Wow. Wow. He could have chose anything to be his last teaching. He could have chose anything. He didn't even choose love. He didn't even choose love to be that last great I am. He says, I am. 
the true vine. That's the last great I am he speaks before the cross. Abide in me. Connect with me. Stay connected with me. Stay one with me because I know what you're going to face. I know the pain you're going to face. I know the confusion you're going to face when I go to the cross. I know the doubt that you're going to struggle with. But if you just abide in me and trust my words right now, I will see you through it. I will see you through it. Staying connected is much easier than reconnecting. Yes, it is. Staying connected. Man, when you've got to reconnect... Do you ever see, when I, when I said that out loud the first time, I, the first thing I thought of is, you ever see those little, um, I know this is probably mean, but you know those children, toddler leashes? Somebody got one, right? You know, you put, the, you put that little backpack on that little toddler, and then it's got like a leash, because what do toddlers do? Most of them, they take off. You know, and my niece, she's got, she had four toddlers. My, my, my great-nephews, she had no choice because they were gone, and she can't reconnect them fast enough because they're gone. They don't know the danger of not staying connected. Where you and I, we do. When Marla and I, come here for a second, honey. When we, uh, when we go anywhere, just most of the time, more than often, I go like this. I don't often, like, we'll hold hands, but most of the time I do this. Because, one, he walks fast. <laughs> so I keep him at my pace. And, two, you ain't getting through this, right? You, you just, you know, you ain't getting through this. And we go to, like, a lot of, like, um, concerts and sporting events and stuff. And if we're not connected like this, he's gone. And then, and then I'm looking for him, and he's not that tall. So... I can't see him, right? Like, it's not like Pastor Ron out there. but like, hey, there you go. <laughs> Pastor Ron, I'm like, where'd he, where'd he go? So it's much easier to stay connected because reconnecting takes a lot more work. Amen? <laughs> and I just like holding on to him. There are benefits to staying connected. And they're all in this, in, in this, uh, these, these verses, that, uh, this passage that we just read. It's all right there, which is why it's so rich that it's his last words. When we abide in Christ, he said, I abide in you. How amazing is that? There, I don't think there is any better benefit than that. He said, if you abide in me, I will abide in you. I will stay within you. I will stay connected to you. I will not leave you. Whatever a person abides in, naturally going to abide in him. You abide in sin, sin will abide in you. You abide in compromise, compromise will abide in you. And if you want to change the things that are within you, then you need to change what you abide in. Yeah. I read a 
read this um, story of this preacher, well-known evangelist from a long time ago. I mean, he would have these crusades and draw thousands and thousands to Jesus. And this one particular time, this reporter asked him after the service, and he said, so how many of you think came to know Jesus today? How many were converted? And the preacher said, I don't know. Come back and ask me in five years. If you abide in Jesus, he will abide in you. But when you choose not to, the next benefit to abiding in Christ, he said in John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done to you, unto you. Man, Christians, we get our prayers answered. He said, you abide in me and my words stay in you. I got you. I got you. Because when we abide in Christ, we have his nature, and that means that we have his will. So whatever we pray for will be in line with his will, and the Father answers his own will. The Father answers his own will. The next benefit is spiritual fruitfulness. Spiritual fruitfulness. Don't you know that fruit is the whole point? That's the whole point of his teaching. And it is a natural result of abiding. Christ desires us to bear fruit. He said, you will bear fruit. Then he goes on to say, remember, you'll bear more fruit. And then he went on to say, you will bear much fruit. He said, without me, you can do nothing. But with Christ, we can do all things. That's our spiritual fruitfulness. That when we abide in him, we, are, we get abundance. Abundance. And to abide, to abide is about being instead of doing. We sometimes, get, we, we, we sometimes lose that. To abide is about being, not doing. I mean, as Christians, we are to read our Bible. We are to pray. We are to flee from sin. We are to worship him. We are to connect with each other. Those are all good things that we are supposed to be doing as believers. But if we're doing them because we're supposed to, then we're missing the abiding It's about the relationship. It's about the relationship. That's why he said it over and over and over to his disciples. Do's and don'ts should not be our driving force to Jesus. But wanting Jesus should be our driving force. The relationship is more important than the things we do or don't. Because when we abide... We experience his presence. We experience his presence. And when we truly abide, we become inseparable with Christ. Man, you can't get any closer than that. You can't get any closer than being one. To being one. Jesus said in John 17, 20 through 21, he said, I do not pray for these alone. 
This is his last prayer before the cross, and this is what he chose to pray. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. They were inseparable. Father, God, Son, and Holy Spirit are inseparable. And that was Jesus' prayer. He was praying for us because he said, I'm praying for those that will believe. I'm praying that those that will believe will be one with us. Just like you and I, Father, are one. I pray that they will become one with us. I pray, God, that they will abide with us. That was his prayer. That was his prayer for you. That was Jesus' first prayer to the Father for you. Was that you would be inseparable. Inseparable with them. Like when I think about like, the ba- like a baby, you know, a baby growing inside the womb is connected by that umbilical cord. That baby is one with the mama. Even when the baby is born, that baby is still connected. That baby is still connected until somebody chooses to cut the cord. And then that baby is passed to person, to person, to spirit, to spirit. The baby inside of a mother's womb is also connected as one with Christ. Because it's, he's creating. God's the creator. Right. right? God is the only creator. And he's creating. It's, and it's connected. And then when the baby is born, it has to choose to reconnect with the father. Wow. You have to choose yeah. to reconnect with the father. have to choose to be inseparable with Jesus. Do you know the Bible says that it brought him joy to go to the cross? Oh, my gosh. It brought him joy. Hebrews 12, 2 says, For the joy that was set before him endured the cross. How could dying such a painful, agonizing death bring a, a, a man joy? Because he was doing it for you. Because he was doing it for you. Because he knew the victory. He knew what it would be like when you became one with him. He did it to be one with you. To, to, be, to abide in him so he can abide in you. Because his heart's desire is to abide in you. Because he is perfect love. He is perfect love. The best example of a person abiding in Christ that I find in the Bible is the Apostle John. And I gotta tell you, sometimes he gets overlooked because he's, you know, he's not Peter. We hear a lot about Peter. Peter had, Peter had the biggest mouth, right? Good and bad, he did. And then, you know, the Apostle Paul, who, who wasn't there when Jesus was, uh, um, wasn't there, wasn't one of the disciples, but he still wrote most of the New Testament, so we do hear a lot about him, too. Not so much about John, the beloved, 
the Apostle John, he was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. And he was also in the inner circle. Jesus had 12 disciples, but often you'll read in the Bible where Peter, James, and John were with Jesus on some very key moments. He wrote five books of the Bible. Not too shabby. He wrote the, the Gospel of John. That is his uh, first-hand experience with Jesus because he was with Jesus his whole three years of ministry. He was there. He wrote the, the three letters to the church, First John, Second John, and Third John. Those are letters for us. Those are for our benefit. And then he wrote the Revelation, the book of Revelation. Whew. A prophecy of the revelation of Christ. The revelation of Jesus. But that's not all he's known for. Let's look at John 13, 23. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. My goodness. Pastor Monica, could you come here for a second? I really need you to visualize this. You've got to see this. There was leaning on Jesus' chest one of the disciples whom he loved. In the midst of all those people, this is John. You see that, Peter? You see that, James? He loves me. He loves me. Not that he doesn't love all of you, but John knew he was loved. He knew that he could lay his head right here. Yeah, that he could lay his head right there. He knew it. He didn't care what you thought. He didn't care if you knew it too. He just knew. He loves me. He loves me. Thank you. And those are two grown men. Those are two grown men. He said he loves me. I know he loves me. I know he loves me. That's not the only verse you see that. Look at John 19, 25 through 27. This is Jesus on the cross. He is literally on the cross dying. And he says, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, here is your mother. Man. He said to the disciple whom he loved, take care of my mother. Mama, whom I love, my mother, he will be your son. You're not alone. He will take care of you. He knows he's loved. He knows he's loved. Look at John 22. It doesn't stop there. This is the resurrection. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. John 21, 7. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter. Then look at John 21, 20. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper. 
Eight chapters later, they're still talking about it. They're still talking about, you know, that time, the the one, the, the disciple that Jesus loved leaned on the chest of him. Eight chapters later, they're still in awe. But John, he knew. He knew he was loved. He made such an impact. Such an impact. Do you know when you know that Jesus loves you, the impact that you have on people? When they can see you leaning on his chest, they'll talk about it eight chapters later. They'll talk about it. They'll go home and talk about it. Did you see how much in love she was with Jesus? Man, she knows. Did you see him kneeling at the altar? Because he knows Jesus loves him. God revealed things to John that no one else knows. Did you know that? Look at the book of Revelations. I was reading it, and it says that the seven thunders spoke. And do you know what they said? Nope. But John does. John does. God told him, don't write down what they just told you. Don't tell nobody, John. Just seal it up. Only you and me know, John. Only God and John He knows secrets. He knows secrets. Why? Because he abided. How he knew the love of Christ so fiercely was because he abided. He stayed connected. He stayed connected. He faced just the same amount, if not more, of trials and tribulation and persecution that you and I face today. But he chose to lean. He chose to lean. Do you choose to lean? Because he wants you to lean. He doesn't love John any more than he loved us, than he loves us now. The only difference is John knew it. You got to know it. To be inseparable with Christ. And how that is possible is because Jesus is love. It is not just who he is. It is not just what he does. It is who he is. It is his whole being is love. His whole being is love. The Bible tells us that John was banished to the island of Patmos. Right after he was put plunged into some boiling oil and suffered nothing. Nothing. Not a scratch, not a a burn, nothing. It's also said that all those who witnessed that were converted to Christianity. Hello, how could you not, right? That's right. So they said, be gone with you. We banish you to this island. And when I think about that, I can't help but laugh because the first thing that comes to my mind is, do you all remember that movie Castaway? With Tom Hanks? That's what I picture. I picture poor John on this island all by himself with nobody else, and he's got a ball that he paints a face on it and calls it Wilson. (laughs) Like, poor John. But that's not the truth. Patmos was full of people, mostly criminals, but still nonetheless full of people. They thought, we're going to send you to Patmos to stop your influence. That's why they sent him there. 
Because John had influence and he knew how to use it. Boy, were they wrong. Because it's on the island of Patmos that he wrote the book of Revelation. The revelation of Christ. And millions and millions and millions of people over the past 2,000 years have read that book. You talk about using your influence. Do you know how to use your influence? We learn from John that when we abide in Christ, we rest in his love. John was called the beloved the beloved of Jesus. And did you know you are too? Did you know the song of Solomon says in 6.3 that I am my beloved and my beloved is mine. Let's all stand. The last benefit of abiding in Christ is a robe of righteousness. Oh, picture that. Picture that on yourself. A robe of righteousness. Revelation 19.8 says, And to her was granted that she would be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. She was given the robe because she abided in Christ. And she is the church. She, in that scripture, is you and I. That's the church. What are you abiding in? Ask yourself, how is your connection with Jesus? He is the true vine, but is he your true vine? you abide in Christ, you'll abide in his love because you can't separate his love from who he is. If we could close our eyes. Close your eyes. And I want you to hear the words I'm about to say that I actually took from that book. This is God's whispers to you. Hear these words as God is talking directly to you. He says, I have established a covenant of love between us. My love is beyond comprehension, but as real as the breath that comes from your lips. This love covenant can never be broken. Abide in me and abide in my love. My ever-present love has carried you through life. So never let disappointment live within you. Abide in me and abide in my love. I love when you trust me and you lean into my love. Delight in me even as I delight in you. Rest in my love that never fails. Expect to see my love demonstrated for you each and every day. Abide in me and abide in my love. For there is nothing more powerful than my love. 
Jesus, thank you for teaching us that. Thank you for this teaching in the word. Thank you for teaching your disciples, stressing the importance and to abide, abide in you, abide in you, abide in you, abide in you. And you left it for us so we would know the importance and significance of those last words to abide in you, abide in you, abide in you. Stay connected with you. Be as one with you. Be inseparable with you. How do I pray that that is our heart's desire? I pray that this word gets deep, deep down in our spirit, that nothing can uproot it. Remind us, Lord, when we lose focus, when we take our eyes off you, remind us of this word right now that you said, abide in me, abide in me, abide in me. Because you are love. And when we abide in you, we abide in your love. You abide in us. We get our prayers answered. You hear our prayers because when we abide in you, our prayers align with your will. And you answer the prayers of your will. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I pray, God, that we're more intentional to allow you to prune us. That we are more intentional to allow you to cleanse us. So that we would bear fruit that we would bear the character of Christ, the fruit of the Spirit. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If you don't know Christ that intimately, if you don't know him that personally, if you're not abiding in him, if he's not abiding in you, you can today. You can right now. It'll be the best day of your life. But he says in his word that if you don't acknowledge me, I won't acknowledge you. See, Christ wants to be seen. He wants that good fruit to be visible. He wants to be known in your life. So if that's you and you need to pray, we will be up here. I'm not going to say the prayer because I want you to come up as an act of faith and surrender to Christ and pray with one of our pastors and say, I'm not abiding in him right now and I want to. God sees your heart, he sees your faith, and he sees your surrender, and he hears your voice. So our pastors are, will be up here to pray with you. We value prayer in this house, church. We value prayer. We value prayer. We always want to pray with you. Thank you for blessing us 
just want to say thank you for being here, not just today, but every day that you come, every Sunday that you come. Thank you for every hug. Thank you for every word of encouragement and affirmation. Thank you for every prayer because it's felt. Thank you for worshiping with us. Thank you for choosing to be our family. Choosing to be our family. We value each and every one of you. We love you and appreciate you. You matter. So we say God bless you. And you probably, most of you should know this by now. Ready? Live right. Love everyone. And pray hard. Thank you.